You are listening to The Holy Hour, the all-cure podcast. This is Gavin. Thanks so much for joining us. And boy, are you in for it. This is it. This is the one y'all been waiting for, the big New York City Madison Square Garden show. Cure played three nights, sold out Madison Square Garden. And guess what? Arusha was there, director-producer of the upcoming film Push, Cure fan documentary. And uh, boy, did she find some great people to talk to in this episode. It's as diverse as the Big Apple itself. We got uh, some Twilight Sad converts. We got a guy that brought his 80-year-old dad to the show. We got the ultimate Cure hostess. And then, if nothing else, you need to make it to the end of this podcast to listen to these guys. Three guys that are international Cure fans. Long-time Cure fans. One guy's even been there since 1979. Gives a little compare and contrast to pornography as played on the pornography tour versus Madison Square Garden. And it all wraps up with some great words from a guy that we played music with right here in Asheville at one point. Our good buddy Bob. So, without further ado, let's hand it on over to Arusha. Dig in. Madison Square Garden, 2016. This is... Arusha from Push, a Cure fan documentary. Uh, it is day two of three. <laughs> now the cars are beeping. Uh, this is day two of three uh, New York shows, and I, I couldn't record anything last night because Madison Square Garden's like a Fort Knox, so I couldn't get anything in there. But I do. Um, I'm standing outside. Where I'm. I'm. If you could visualize a gate where the the band comes in, there's about eight fans. Guess what? They're all wearing black. Um, <laughs> patiently waiting for the band to come out, and I just I, it's not gonna happen. They already they already came in. But right here I have um, <laughs> they're they're actually right behind me. No, just kidding. Uh, I have. Uh, Two people who are met in college uh, who are on the, the Cure Adventure 2016. Can I get your name, please? Marnie Briggs. From? Philadelphia. From Philly. Lori Jean from Charlottesville, Virginia. And then, so you guys met in college. Well, yeah. after, more or less. Yeah, yes. post. But we yeah. weren't we knew, in college. Right. We knew of, of each, each other. other yeah. we went to and then school. we were introduced by a common friend. A common friend, exactly. Yeah. Nice. And uh, so, how many shows have you been to together so far? This will this will just be our second. Yes. Well, no, we were at Lollapalooza together, but we That's didn't true. meet up. That's true. Because the crowd yeah. was too big, we couldn't yeah. get to each other. Right. At Lollapalooza in Chicago. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we sat together last night. We're sitting together tonight. We'll be tomorrow as well. How was? And then uh, Maryland as well. How was the show at Madison Square Garden last night? It was good. <laughs> it was good. You had a good time. We were counting songs. Right. Oh, sorry. That trying to figure out how many we would get to hear mm-hmm. that we hadn't already heard this tour. Yeah. Or we, of course, we were hoping for a debut, a debuted B-side, which we didn't get. No. We did get the very unusual version of pornography, which, which we liked. Yeah. Um, what, what made it unusual? What it was, made pornography unusual last night at Madison Square Garden? 
that is an album that I have listened to so many times. And when it started, I couldn't figure out what song it was because the intro was different. And something. And and then Lori and I were staring at each other and we were like, oh, wait, wait, we do know what it is. And then... We both kept looking at each other like, wow, that's really different compared to the album. And so it's enjoyable that they are playing around a lot with the songs. So even if I hear the same song at different shows this tour, they play them differently, either slower or faster, or they'll have different effects. How were your seats last night? Not great. Do you think, how does that affect your concert experience? Well... Last night we, we we took a friend who it was the first time seeing the cure, so I think that helped. Right. Because we were bringing him in the experience of, of what seeing the cure live is like. So I think that was great. Um, yeah, being further away, it was you know the sound is definitely different. Um, you can see more of the stage and what you know other other people are doing. I don't know. All right. Anyway, so sorry, ladies, about That's the, okay. the song, no. but. <laughs> No odor, is, no odor is coming from it. <laughs> that's far. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm downwind. <laughs> um, so, so you were. Oh, I see. So usually you're in general admission. Yeah. Yes. So since you were further back, you actually could see like a wider. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so you can see the backdrop and the light show, which you don't see when you're up front. But yeah. personally, I like to see all the little facial expressions the band members do between each other and that's something that you completely miss yeah. when you're sitting in the 200 section right yeah. and yes. it would have nice and seen the um the bowie guitar up close yes because because marty was like oh it's, it's, blue. it's blue it looks different i'm like yeah, yeah i can't tell right. and then right. and then at one angle i was like oh it is the twilight sun yes. do you want to talk to them oh i'm not she I might want to yeah. but because they're nice and they like wrote back because they want me to send them pictures so I sent them pictures and yeah. they write back. Do you, <laughs> do you think that they'd let me interview them with the sock on? The sock reference is uh, a DIY windscreen for your mic can be your sock. <laughs> so it looks kind of ridiculous. I have a recorder and a, a, a sock on it so I'm not going to ask them what I said for an interview but um, and they're on their way in for a sound check but they are being super nice to Marty Briggs and Lori Jean. Oh, Marty. How are you doing, Marty? How are you? Nice, nice to see you. you. This is my friend Lori. Hi. Hey, Lori. 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 It was nice to meet you. Bye. Yeah, so the so James and uh, what's the keyboard player's name? Brandon. James and Brandon from the Twilight Side just walked by. Um, they had a little, we got a little uh, audio of them and they're gonna go do sound check. They've been experiencing New York to its fullest, and I have to say once again that seeing the Twilight Side open up for the cure and be so um, appreciative of their experience has been a blessing. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because here's a band from Scotland who started apparently in 2006, right? Weren't going very far. And then they get this opportunity, great opportunity. And like how 
how great has it been, ladies, to see their their shows? Because you both have seen Q shows on this tour yeah. separately, right? Right. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the Twilight Sad because I think it's been incredible. Yeah. No. I, I mean, it's the perfect opener, I think, for the Cure. Um, like you said, just like seeing them on stage is amazing. You can tell they're appreciative and just emotive, and just like you feel like he's he lives the music. Yeah. You know, and you, you it, I think it just you feel it. Yeah. You feel it from him for sure. It's genuine. Yeah. They are so excited to open for The Cure and they're so excited that they were given that opportunity and every night they give it everything they have even though it's a 40 minute set so I've actually I, I call them my new band crush like I am obsessed with listening to them now like I I know me too I listen to them <laughs> I, I put their discs in my car and I just put it on shuffle and I just listen to their discs constantly as I drive around these last few weeks because I'm on a cure diet in between cure shows because I don't want to mess with my live memories. Oh, interesting. So I don't listen to the cure. Right. 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 Because I only want... <laughs> yes. Very yes. interesting. Um, I did watch some Periscopes, but then I took myself off the Periscopes too because yeah, I, I want to be surprised. Like I want my experience to be my experience, yeah. not what I'm seeing through somebody else's... Uh, phone that's great yeah yeah that's great yeah. because people don't do that anymore I mean I think it's nice that we have the option but I'm with you I'm like yeah. oh well, yeah they're playing tonight you know that, I kind of yeah, might check in on like what's happening yeah. what you know like yeah. chain of flowers is always fun but yeah I mean to me the tw seeing the twilight side like seeing a band open up for the cure that is good and that, and that is and I think well, the reception overall I think people even even you know non diehard Cure fans I think are digging them you know that, I look around and people are you know bopping their heads and, and yeah. so let's see let's hope for uh, what are we what are you hoping to hear tonight and then we'll end this oh gosh well I mean alright I want I really want to hear a few hours after this I know they won't do it yeah. but that's one <laughs> like, I would probably start crying yeah I would cry <laughs> Probably and start crying. We're not girly girl criers oh. like that. That is so not us. Sorry, so, I'm spinning. Uh, <laughs> so, so but we would, yeah, we would yeah. kind of like when Exploding Boy happened. Oh, that was. I jumped up and down yeah. like a sorority girl, going oh, yeah. woo, yeah. which is not my I'm general re personality. My teenage years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, um, or lament. Come on, you know. What about just one kiss. Oh, yes! Yeah. You know, anything off Japanese whisper, whispers, please. Right. Yeah. Yes. But I will say, I don't know about you, for my favorite show so far, or just because of audience, even though the venue sucked, it was Chicago, My, I think, so far for me. Both nights were awesome, but probably night two, just because I was up front and I waited in line and I met other Cure fans, and it's like a this nice camaraderie. Like, there's no... It's nice. It's just like everyone's there for the same reason. There's no... Everyone was civilized. It was, you know, it was just a good, nice experience. I was by myself, so I got to meet, you know, some some really nice people. Oh, yeah, and that was the one last thing I wanted to ask you. You said you brought your friend last night. Yes. Who, yep. You wanted to introduce him to the Cure experience. What is the Cure experience? Oh, God. <laughs> he is somebody who is very intelligent and analytical about music. Yeah. And he looked at me during Prayers for Rain, or right after Prayers for Rain last night, and he said, 
that song has always been too big for the room I've been in. And he, we're in Madison Square Garden. He's like, this song is too big for Madison Square Garden. Wow. Yeah. So he really did enjoy it. And, um, because he had been a casual listener. He had heard Kiss Me, Kiss Me and uh, Disintegration. And that was pretty much all he knew. So I gave him some Cure homework. I told him, like, listen to the top, listen to this, listen to that. And for him to get that much enjoyment out of it was fun as for us yeah. as longtime fans to see somebody else understand why we go to as many shows as we possibly can each tour because of the music it's it's not just it's the experience there's yeah. something about them live that is like you <laughs> it's so you know, I, can't, I know, it's like so you, hard to put in words. Like the just, you feel yeah. the music. It's not just here. Like, there are bands that are good and they're fun. And I enjoy it. But this feels so Real, different from most of them. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, um, and the Twilight Zone matches that for me. So that's why there's such an amazing opener I think not overly produced no you know just like a like a real you know good musicians on stage loving what they do it's not doing it for the fans you know um yeah, they don't do like pyrotechnics and there's no super. No, no, there's, there's no, no gimmick. No gimmicky. And they it's don't need gimmicky. that. Shh, right you know. Like Motley Crue with the drummer that goes around in that upside down circle. No, yes. Like they don't need that. Yes. <laughs> no costume changes. Yeah. Or even like Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, take their right. shirts off. No. That's, you know, oh, yeah. Stop it. Let's talk about real and vulnerable in a different way. All right. This is Arusha reporting for uh, the Holy Hour podcast at Madison Square Garden. Over and out, team. So, uh, I have, uh, can I get your name? Mike Moskowitz. And where are you from? Uh, Fort Lauderdale. live in New York. And uh, I, I, this is Arusha again, back with the Holy Hour podcast. It's about an hour before doors open at Madison Square Garden, and we're at the Cure Meetup at Stout Bar. Um, and Mike, I, I ran into last... <laughs> hey, how's it going? I ran into Mike on the street last night, and it was like the best moment ever because he was with his dad. That's right. My 80-year-old dad saw The Cure for the first time, and he finally uh, discovered, after eight years, what I've been talking about. So it was a lot of fun. Um, what we did, though, towards the mid to the end of the, sh- of the show was uh, I actually put up lyrics to some of the songs... Uh, so we were like reading through the lyrics as they were being sung, oh. so he could like understand like what what was going on. Right. So he knows like you know what the Hungry Ghost is is about, which is a which is a great song, but you have to kind of know what the lyrics are. I have to confess, I it's not in my top twenty, uh, so I. What is the Hungry Ghost about? Well, it's interesting. Um, you know what Want is about, right? Of course. Well, they, they recently, just in this tour, and only in the middle of the tour, paired Want and the Hungry Ghost. Right. Want is about, you know, wanting as much as possible, yeah. right? Even though it's somewhat unfulfilling. But the Hungry Ghost basically says that chasing money is essentially not fulfilling at all. Uh-huh. It's sort of like the counter-want, in my opinion. 
Um, and, and because lyrically it's a really powerful song, that's why I know they're singing it on the tour, because it actually says a lot. Right. But you have to have spent time reading, you know, the lyrics t- to know that. And on everything on 413 Dream, that's, that's the only song they're, they're really singing. And I, I, th- I think I know why. So I look forward to The Hungry Ghost, but I know others don't really care. <laughs> and then, what's cool about The Cure is that there's so many different songs. And uh, I mean, the, you know, Robert Smith has a, a, a sound, mm-hmm. a voice, like his voice is very particular, but their range of sad songs, happy songs, full songs, empty songs, it's, it's so wide and Sure. So no, you're right. Your, did your dad... Uh, was he? Did he enjoy himself? And yeah, he did. I mean, when when we were reading lyrics, he he knew what the song was about. So, like for instance, it can never be the same. We he read the lyrics and he turned to me. He goes, "Oh, it must have been someone who died," which is something I never thought of before. So I didn't. My dad came to that conclusion off of first read through, and I've been thinking about it for a month now, and I never came to that conclusion. So that was pretty significant but then I we were reading lyrics to pornography and he's like this doesn't make any sense (laughs) tell them that they were on drugs when they wrote it well that's a good point like the earlier stuff isn't in my opinion as deep as the later stuff so so I tried to pick the later stuff for him to read the lyrics to but for pornography I I wanted him to read the lyrics because the last line you know I must fight this sickness find a cure I wanted him to read that but we never got to that right you never got there (laughs) no we didn't get there because halfway is like okay I'm not getting this and Uh, I don't blame him because you know I I don't know what it means either until you get to the final line well that's (laughs) one thing that's cool about music is sometimes you don't have to know what it meant to the singer or to the artist because it, it means something to you you know what I mean and true that's, that's, that's the takeaway like for me like like Push like my my documentary is called Push yeah I actually went back and looked like what is this technically song technically about and I have heard the thing about him wearing a dress on a train and whatever but to me Push yeah. means pushing through doubt and, and you know fear and just trying to do something for yourself that's what the song is to me how? how? How is that? Because I, I analyzed Push, and I never came to that conclusion. So I want to know how you thought it had to do with pushing through something. Well, I mean, just the chorus, go, 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 no, 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 push it away. Sure. Um, and it, you just sometimes the way that I hear or, or take in this Cure's lyrics, Robert's lyrics, is like, is personal. I have my own personal... Of course. ...bent on it. So, like, see through you, always you. It just, it, to me, it, like, creates an atmosphere. Okay. Um, so I can take, like, parts of the song. It's almost like I can, I can separate the way that the song is musically arranged from the lyrics. Yes. It's the feeling I get from it, I guess. Of pushing through something? Yeah, of like doing what you want to do. If it's like, if it's because Robert Smith was on a train and he was wearing a dress, which I, that's what I remember something about or sure. like. See, the, I always thought it had to do, when I analyzed it, I thought it had to do with the rape. As crazy as it sounds, only because of the lines, smear this man across the, the walls, the wall, smear this man across against the wall right so i'm thinking it's like a sort of a violent thing where she's pushing him off of her and he's against the wall like strawberries and cream that's the way it should be he should be against the wall 
Huh. Yeah, I've never ever thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the song is such a celebration. Interesting. <laughs> celebration. I mean, the, the you know, it's a very upbeat song. It right? is an upbeat song. That's that's true. Yeah. So it's probably not about that at all. I mean, I think that at that time he was writing very much um, metaphorically. You know, there's so many things that don't make sense in songs. <laughs> I, I, I really feel that way. It's sort sure. of like, you can look at like the Cocteau Twins, you know, lyrics, and it's like, what the fuck was she saying? Nobody really knows, and maybe she doesn't know, and maybe it doesn't even matter. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, but I wish he would... I want to know what he was thinking. I don't, I don't need my own interpretation. I would love to know if he went through every song... And, and he'd said, you know, my, your name like ice into my heart, who the hell he was talking about. I want to know everything. I don't need my own interpretation, personally. Yeah. I want to know the, from the source what he was thinking about. Well, you can interview Robert Smith for me <laughs> and ask him about Push, and I'll, and I'll film you interviewing Robert, and it'll be a great interview. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Arusha from Push, a Cure fan documentary, reporting to you <laughs> from the Stitch Bar in New York. It's actually day three, pre-show of the Cure. You can probably hear this terrible music that's uh, engulfing us right now. But um, I'm here with a bunch of Cure fans. We're hanging out. We're getting ready for the third and final show in New York, and. Uh, I have Dana, Dana Dale. Dana, where are you from? Uh, Austin. Oh, you're from Austin. Oh, cool. And uh, Dana's been to quite a few shows on this tour. I've been to it, yeah. I think I think this is either 22 or 23. I'm not sure. So, um, Dana, how have the New York shows been so far? Um, pretty good. Um, I haven't had really great seats, but I'm really hopeful about tonight. Um, but... Madison Square Garden before, so it's 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 been interesting. How how do you think that's affected your experience? I don't know. I I didn't think that it affected it that much, but I think it really does. I think it's it's a lot more fun going with friends, um, and it's also I've kind of gotten addicted to being up front after going to some general admission shows. Right. I kind of get used to being able to see the band up close. So I enjoy listening to the music, and if I have room to dance around, then I don't really mind not being able to see, but I want to be able to do either one or the other. So uh, first, let's just talk about the difference between the, fir- the two nights, the set lists. Do you prefer one or the- over the other, or was it just a nice blend so far? Or? Well, it, it was really great to hear pornography twice. I honestly didn't think I'd hear that. I didn't think I'd hear it a second time, and then I didn't think I'd hear it a first time. Right, right. A third time. Right. Is there anything that you're uh, hoping for tonight? Uh, that they haven't played before? I don't know. Oh, yeah, no. I, well, let's see here. I'd really love to hear some... Um, well, I'd really love to hear something new. I'm not sure if, they're, if at this point in the game they're going to bring out any more new songs, but... I'd really love to hear 1015 Saturday night, but it's not Saturday. And maybe some more stuff from the top. Um, so what was what was your uh, was there like a defining moment when you first started listening to the cure? Let me think. 
You know, the first time I remember noticing them was actually when Love Cats came out. And I think it was just because there were cats in it. Um, and then um, I went to England um, in that 85 and just at random bought the Head on the Door album on cassette. And I listened to it pretty much continuously uh, on my Walkman for the next three weeks. And I was hooked after that. It was, I just started like plundering the, the back catalog and everything. So hooked on the cure since what year? Probably 85. I think it was the summer of 85. When did you first start seeing them live? Uh, the first show I saw was in 86, so this will be, I guess, 30 years, which means I'm old. And, and was your concert going experience, uh, quote unquote, normal until a certain point, or were you going to multiple shows from the beginning? I guess I guess if normal is just going to see I just I've mostly just gone to see them when they played in, in my town. So I've seen them in Austin several times. I saw them in Houston once. Um, the only time I've seen them twice in one tour was when I happened to be moving from one place to another. So yeah, I've never gone out of my way to see them before this tour. And how has it been? I, you you said something to me that I don't want to reveal unless you happen to reveal it yourself. But you said something to me, I think maybe in Chicago about this that I'm wondering if you you know you can share with like what it is to how it feels like to do this oh now I'm now I'm, now I'm trying to guess let's see let's uh, see if you'll guess it yeah um uh, that I'm crazy uh. <laughs> I mean you said you were sort of remarking like wow it's been it was like as if you were discovering that moment you're like wow this is kind of addicting like I don't want it to stop yeah, well I, I kind of felt I kind of knew this was going to be this from the beginning that I kind of wanted to go underwater and just kind of just really get in over my head and I no I don't want it to end but I know it has to so it's um, that whole money thing I'm sorry money oh yeah there's money reality there's people waiting at home there's uh, all the stuff that I'm not doing that I usually do so it's kind of like uh, I'm stepping outside of all of that right right do you think if they tour again, you'd, you'd try to see multiple shows? I don't know. You know, I kind of thought this was going to be a one-time only thing, but now I think, I, I really feel like I don't see how I can not at least try. It's, it, it is kind of addictive. Have you met some cool people? Yeah, I, that's, that's the one thing. I've, I've always had kind of peripheral kind of involvement with the Cure community online. Um, and when I go to shows, I might meet somebody, but I've made more friends on this tour than... Um, I think going to multiple shows, you really kind of you get, develop kind of common experiences. Right, right. Cool. Thanks, Dana. <laughs> I mean, it's going to come out, but... All right, so um, what's your name? Christine. And uh, you you did a review, and remind me where we talked to you last? Um, after the El Paso show. Oh. I was with Jennifer and Lauren. We, yeah. El Paso. Yeah. Little time warp. That is a tall order to compare, I think, to New York, right? To anything. Well... El Paso is my first show of this year, and this is now my 12th show of this year, so I've seen a bunch in between. Uh, I was quite happy last night to see pornography again for the second night in a row. Uh, the Hanging Garden was a big highlight. Um, from the first night in New York, like Hawkatoos, um, that's the only, the second time I've ever seen that song live. And 
trying to remember what else. But it's been a great tour so far, all the shows I've seen, not just New York. I think my favorite was actually El Paso and Mountain View, California. Mountain View, really? Yeah, it was a really good environment, a really good atmosphere. They played cold for the first time this tour, um, which I really enjoyed. I just had a really good time at that show, but they've where all were, been great. Where were you sitting? In Mountain View, I was in the front section, like the 100 section, about 15th row, I think, something like that, on Simon's side. Because uh, my friends and I were way, way up past the soundboard, and it was a good show, but it was definitely one of my least favorites. And I think it was because the venue was so big, and it just, I was just distant. It just didn't, it didn't grab me. And after three nights at Hollywood, which most of those I'd been sitting by myself, I was back sitting with friends. So that probably helped because I was with, you know, people that I knew and we, we danced and sang along to the whole show. And it's always a good show when they play cold. All right, I'm making my rounds here at uh, Stitch Bar in New York. And what's your name? Brian. And Brian, where are you from? Philadelphia. Oh, nice. And uh, so is this uh, is this night two of three for you in New York? Uh, no, this is the only show this tour that I'm going to make it out to. So. What was? Uh, what are some other? What's your What's your backstory with the Cure? Or what's something that you want to share? My backstory. Uh, yeah, like when did you start listening to them, or what's a good concert, or anything? Your your choice, Steelers' choice. I started listening to them uh, in like '89. My cousin had seen the Lullaby video on 120 Minutes, and then um, we then obsessively watched 120 Minutes for the next year, trying to see that video again. Which, <laughs> That's awesome. Which of course they never showed. Um, uh, yeah, they've been my favorite band since then, basically. What was it about the lullaby video that got you? Well, I hadn't seen it, and she was describing it to me, and I don't know, it became an obsession. I'm not really sure why. Um, and then, you know, years later when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of anticlimactic. As, you know, oh, so you tried to watch it for a year and you didn't. Yeah, okay, no, I misunderstood you. I thought you saw it once right. and then you tried to. But you actually. No, she she had seen it, and then I had, and she was telling me about it. So we decided to just we would tape that show 120 minutes obsessively and you know stay up late on Sunday nights to watch it. Um, I mean, the, the not only did I get into the cure because of that but I also got into like every other band I listen to now so because of 120 minutes yeah right so basically that was you know little 11 year old me like getting into all of the music that basically shaped my life since then so 120 minutes was really really cool I mean if you think back and you compare to what our resources are now for music and culture like it was a curated two hours, right, of alternative music. Yep. What are some other bands that you discovered through 120 Minutes? Uh, the Smiths, you know, Morrissey, Public Image Limited. Um, from there, we got into punk rock and, yeah, Depeche Mode was a big one. All right, are there any songs that you want to hear tonight? Anything you're, uh, any anticipation that you want to 
share? Um, I mean, I'd love to hear something ridiculous, like, I don't know, New Day or something. But that's never going to happen. But on this tour, it may. It may, it may. Who the hell knows? I'd like to hear Too Late. Apparently, that's an option. No. All right. Thank you very much. All right. So, uh, can I get your name, please? Angel. Mother Angel Blue. Mother Angel Blue. And you are from? Staten Island, New York. All right. And this is, uh, we're, once again, day three of three shows at Madison Square Garden. Have you been to all three shows? Of course. Well, you have to remember we're talking to that World Wide Web right now. So let, let me let me get a little bit about yourself because I know that you've been hosting some events and some other things. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yes. I uh, There's kind of no... Uh, community in the world that I feel more comfortable with than the Cure fan community. I love Cure fans more than uh, more than anyone in the world. They are my family. Uh, so I do a lot of touring with the Cure, uh, and I felt that uh, when the uh, when the Cure fan community comes to my town, uh, I should give them a place to uh, to come together. So I planned after parties for uh, the New York shows. And uh, uh, I had venues that are very close to the garden so they could get there very easily. Um, and I put together Facebook communities where uh, people from all over the world uh, who were coming to New York to the shows could find each other and get advice on anything from, uh, you know, where's the shopping to... Uh, does anybody want to have dinner today? You know, I'm, I'm in town and I'm alone. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there a good coffee shop around? Um, how do I get to the venue? Um, and uh, and it's been working out really great. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, the people, the way everybody's really come together. That's great. So uh, you, you've been seeing Cure shows for quite a long time now, right? Yep, absolutely. My, uh, my first tour, I got into the Cure in 1989. Uh, just too late uh, to have missed the prayer tour. It was sold out uh, at the closest show. The closest show to me was six hours away. I was living in Maine at the time. Uh, and I was, how old? 15. Uh, so I missed that, and it's something that I've always been sad about. Uh, but thank God they still do the plain song opening. They brought that back. The first time I heard it, I cried like a baby. Uh, I'm glad they still do it sometimes. Yes, it's a great song. So, so you carried on. You saw the Wish Tour. Yes, the Wish Tour was my first, um, and I have never missed a tour since. Um, I flew to Berlin uh, to see the trilogy shows, uh, really because at that to that point I had not heard my favorite song. Uh, I had seen twenty odd shows, and they hadn't played my favorite song, uh, which is Homesick on Disintegration. And uh, Trilogy, they were playing Disintegration start to finish, so I knew they had to play it. Right. Uh, and therefore, I had no choice. Uh, so I had to cross uh, the Atlantic. Uh, that must have been a fantastic experience. It was amazing. It, it felt very crazy. Uh, but once I did it once, I realized that, you know, people do that. Uh, I was not the only American over there, uh, so it was not the last time I crossed the Atlantic to go see them. Uh, and then I realized that uh, you can fly anywhere and go see your favorite band and then I started uh, that sort of opened the door for me to start touring with them more widely and uh, and by now I think I've amassed somewhere in the 50s I haven't 
counted them all, but it's got to be somewhere in the 50s now. Yeah, I mean, that's been, uh, once again, a reoccurring theme for me uh, in my life, in my motivation to make a film. And then in, in this podcast is like this thing of like, I'm going to see multiple shows. I'm crazy. Or like people in your normal life think you're crazy. But then you meet all these other people and it's not crazy. You know what I mean? Oh, it's absolutely not. Um, people who aren't Cure fans, I think, don't realize how normal it is for us to do this. Um, it's very common when you go to a Cure show to just meet people from all over the world. Like, if you were like, if you met my grandmother and she's like, I don't get it, I don't understand. And what what is like a like a pinpoint of like what what changed your perspective? Like once I went to Trilogy and and realized that that it's okay to fly. Yes, it's okay to come come out of the closet with the Cure. Um, I think because I realized when I was over in Germany that I was I was family in Germany. Like I got there and I was so at home. Like and I was not expecting to be at home. I was expecting to go. I went. I took my sister with me. And I figured my sister and I would go to this show and it would be really fun and I would hear my favorite song and then we would go home. But what happened was we got to the hotel and it was filled with Cure fans and we uh, we were never alone. And I just wasn't expecting that, you know. And, and immediately I realized that when when you when you become one of those people that travels with the Cure, you are a member of a family and. That has, for me, that had a lot of value, and I wanted to remain a part of that. You know, when I was 15, I really, I mean, I wanted to see The Cure, but I really wanted to meet Robert Smith. And I was lucky enough to meet The Cure, and I've met all of them, and they're very nice, and whatever, and I met Robert Smith, but I don't need to do that anymore. Exactly. I feel feel exactly the same way. I'm obsessed with his music, and I think he's a fucking Mm -hmm. genius, but... It's all this extracurricular stuff. You know, a lot of people, when they when they saw, I would tell them about the after parties, and they would say, "Well, are the Cure coming?" And I'd say, "Frankly, I, God, I hope not. I, said, I, I really hope not. I, I, I gather that they know about uh, about the parties by now. Uh, I did at one point write to them about." Uh, doing some donation stuff where I was trying to do some charity things, uh, but never did I ask them to come. Is it because, for me, I was doing these parties to host my family, with whom I feel so incredibly comfortable. It's weird that hosting a bunch of people that I don't know makes me feel more home than you know, in my own town than uh, than just being here does without them. But it's true. Uh, and so really, the last thing that I need is to have the Cure show up, who make me feel so awkward. You right, know? Right, right, right. Like, like I, I connect with their music, and I think they're um, wonderful. And like you said, they're very, very nice people. I was fortunate enough to meet them too. Uh, but I, you know, there's something about that sort of stardom and fandom. I want to be with the fans and just have have an amazing uh, communal experience. Yes. Amen, sister. Thank Amen. you.
this is this is Arusha. Hi, hi, Gavin and team. Uh, reporting for the Holy Hour podcast, and I have one, Brian, one, Brian Greenspan. Right from New York City, and you're, you're a longtime Cure fan, right? Yep, uh, since I was 15. Oh, nice. So the first time I saw the Cure. My second concert ever was at Madison Square Garden oh, on, the, really? on the Kissing Tour. And I can remember it, certain moments of it, like yesterday, like hearing Charlotte sometimes, uh, hearing All I Want, A Japanese Dream, whatever. Just just an amazing experience then. Wait, wait, wait what tour is this? The Kissing Tour in 1987. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole uh, screen, the, the whole movie that started the thing with Robert's lips close up. Just, just an epic experience. Um, if you told me when I was 16, Brian, when you're 45 years old, which I am now, you're going to be seeing The Cure three nights sold out at Madison Square Garden, and they're great, I, I would I would have laughed with uh, incredulity. You know what right. I mean? No, no way. Right. So the fact that I'm here almost 30 years later at the world's most famous arena seeing the, the world's greatest band in top form, top form, um, it's just been a, an absolute joy and a pleasure these past three nights. I went to Boston uh, the, the two days before the Garden, but the Garden shows were better. Um, where do I start? Each show, <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. seriously, as a Cure yeah. fan, yeah. I mean, I saw 27 shows on the Wish Tour. Right. And they rarely varied anything. Robert was drunk almost every night, and really, what a poor... Decision to tour that particular tour. This is the tour that you want to follow because you get a little bit of everything. Like tonight, we got At Night, we got Banana Fish Bones, we got Shake Dog Shake, we got Trust. You know what I mean? They, they gave you a sprinkling of everything. Right. Whereas, um, what, was, which, what was the first night? Um, like cockatoos. Yeah, like cockatoos. Um, it was Kiss Me Heavy. Yeah, pornography both yeah. nights. Just all I can say. The Cure knows how to treat their fans. In, um, what other band do you know will play for nearly three hours and will rotate so many songs over the course of three nights, or the whole tour for that matter? Right. Every other act should be taking notes because this is the way to treat your fans. And even though I'm sick to death of Let's Go to Bed and Boys Don't Cry, I'll take it. You know, they have to give, they have to give something to the, you know, to the general pop fan. But, well, I think another thing worth mentioning is that the band finally realized they have so many great B-sides they never played live from decades ago, and they finally got the chance back in the set list, like Exploding Boy, Amazing, obviously... Twilight Garden. From 92. Yeah, Twilight Garden you know, is amazing. Who, it's a perfect I, song for, uh, for Reeves, you know? Yeah, it, it works great. Right, right, yeah. Who, who would have thought that Joe would ever... Pull that out of the closet, you know what I mean? It's Twilight Garden. And I still haven't figured out why they're not playing uh, Yesterday's Gone, now when Reeves is in the band. Because obviously he played the guitar for that track. It's an amazing track, it's a beautiful track, and it would make a lot of sense to play it now with Reeves in the band. So, fingers crossed, maybe in Europe we'll get it. Speaking maybe. of Europe, um, what's your name and where are you from? Uh, I'm from Sweden originally. I live in London now, but um, Swedish. My name is Andreas. Andreas. Darren, where are you from? I'm from well, actually, I'm from Blackpool. So Robert Smith and I, Robert Smith and I were, I think, there roughly the same time, but live in London. I live in London now, um, and I've been seeing 
the cure since 79. It's 1979, okay? Just, just, I'm going to say that, clarify that, 1979. Yeah. But not quite as... I tend to go to, I tend to go to three or four gigs on each tour. I would, I would, didn't, how many gigs did you say you went to on the Kiss Me Tour? Well, no, on the Wish Tour. The Wish Tour. I saw 27 shows on that tour, and it was too much. The Wish Tour, but you did Wild Mood Swings too, right? I did Wild I did maybe, maybe 13 shows on Wild Mood Swings. And seven Prayer Tour, which obviously... The indelible memories, seeing them like in a half stadium in Ottawa. It was the first time I ever heard Love Cats live. I just remember, but just being so close, I was really able to soak in moments in that show, prayer tour moments. You know what I mean? Which are now like they're they're mythical, they're iconic. When I think of those pillars, you know, and just just how Robert looked with the heavy eye makeup. I just remember stare. I was so close seeing the whites of his eyes for the first time in my life. You know what I mean? Just. Just the great, greatest, uh, you know, live memories. Um, and I went to the last show in the, at uh, Mansfield Center for the Performing Arts on September 23rd, 1989. And I was so naive to think that The Cure would actually end their performing career in Mansfield, Massachusetts. But when Robert said, thank you very much and good night, and we'll never see you again, I believed him. And I got on my knees and I cried. I cried in the. I was in the urinal crying. Grown men were looking at me. This is 1989, 1989 right? 1989. I was 18. Because remember, member team. How many times does the cure threaten to break up? Let's just think about that for a minute. But yeah, I really believed it. You know. Was in '82, right? But they talked about breaking up. Yeah, and then obviously in '89. So, well, it's good that we so, can't maker, take that for. When the melody maker came out, and I think it was May, and it said cure to appear at Glastonbury. I, you know, here's my second chance. So I, I went, it was my first European, I did the European festivals. Right. And, if, you know, next, if I didn't see that little Melody Maker ad, I probably wouldn't even have known about it. You know, yeah. so thank God for Melody Maker. Right. So I saw them in, in Switzerland uh, and, and Torhild and Werther in Belgium. Uh, I'm just, again, most amazing experiences ever. And I've made lifelong friends uh, as a result. I just, you know, I'm meeting these people for the first time. And I have such an admiration and respect for each one of these people for, for various reasons. This guy here, um, Andreas, being that he's as passionate about Star Wars as he is Cure, as am I. So that's one thing. But Darren here, he, he is a walking Cure historian. So now, if you would imagine a camera, we're just we're closing out the tab. I have friends who are waiting for me that are probably irritated, but um, I do want to bring up the musically, musically and member memberly because one thing, yeah, one thing that I've heard people say. First of all, people always lament about Boris, which I think is sort of ridiculous. It's over now. Jason has has established himself as a true member of the band. He is impeccable in behind that drum set, and he and his style now fits. I mean, last night when you saw him banging away at Hanging Garden, he was. I'm talking. What's the word of the word? Impeccable. I mean, just perfection behind the drums. That was actually my first uh, thought when I heard the first concert uh, two days ago. That there, I, I had never heard him so tight late. You know, yeah. the last and ten years. Burn. Yeah. Burn is incredible. Burn is like a new song, a new version of Burn. Yeah. It's fantastic. And Reeves obviously is a, is a great 
great addition to the band. Yes, I think it's a great asset to them. Yeah, I there are some songs that I could I, I want Reeves to tone it down a little bit. Like I I can't remember a night like this tonight. I think uh. I want a little bit more space. I'm not saying you know his musicianship is great. Yeah, but sometimes well, there's a lot of things. I mean, I would complain about like. There are certain songs where Roger's hitting the keyboard where the keyboard has no business being played at all. Um, I can't I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was. Um, but there are a couple of moments where, like, you know, at, for a long time they were a three-piece. Let's try to respect that uh, atmosphere. You know, you lose it when, when you have five guys, you know. You know, the live sound is just very different from, you know... From the you know the studio sound, right. and and I'm I kind of would like you know studio versions I don't know but I, I would like them to at least try to emulate that you know capture that that atmosphere again you know like Charlotte like take a song like Charlotte sometimes which regrettably did not uh, come out in the last four nights I've seen them maybe in Maryland I'm going to go to Maryland uh, on right Wednesday. right um, but Charlotte sometimes. It's it sounds so rock rocky rockish when they play it now, right, and, and that's like, so, it's a, it's it loses its atmosphere. Yeah, it's wow. kind of, it's kind of interesting to see that play for today didn't get the same reaction here uh, that it always gets in in Paris and in Rome. Oh yeah. If you watch the Cure in Paris and Rome, they always play uh, play for today, and the fans go, crazy, and the fans right? go absolutely nuts. Everyone sings along. Wait, is this your first time, Andres? Is this your first time seeing them in America? Uh, no, it's my second. I, I saw I saw them back in 2011. The um, the shows in uh, in the Beacon Theater. Oh, the reflections. The reflection shows, yeah, absolutely amazing, unbeatable. unbeatable. But no, play for today is never like it is in Europe. Like as an American, like one of the first times, I, I can't tell you what show it was in Europe that I was I was witness to play for today or a forest. But it, it's always France. In France and and Italy, the fans go crazy. That that's if you if you like that song and if you want to really feel the the ceiling lift from the you know, then you should go to uh, Rome or Paris. That's where you will have the best you know play for today uh, crowd. Yeah. And speaking of, of songs that are too slow or too fast, that's one of the reasons why I hate Boys Don't Cry Live. Look at how slow it is. It's so sluggish. Boys Don't Cry is a, a fast, tight pop song. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I mean? Think about how slow it is. Ugh. I'd rather have wet toilet paper thrown at my face. Oh, my God. The Boys Don't Cry. I mean... three minutes. I know, I know. I mean... I've seen them so many times now, to the, you know, like so that I just I've lost the uh, the, the you know the, I had to be more tolerant, I guess, of, of the. Um yeah, somebody uh, at this table earlier was saying that like we're like the one percent or the zero percent, and we have to like keep that in mind. But at the same time, it's like everybody's entitled to their own opinion, so yeah. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of interesting that they save all the crowd pleasers for the last anchor. Yeah. Why not have that as the first one, and then people who don't like the darker side of things, they can just, you know, go home, they can catch the last train, and, you know, they can uh, be it's in bed unusual, and... Very unusual uh, organization, set, set organization. I mean, when do they ever, like, they played Want uh, the first night at the Garden in the middle of the set. I couldn't believe it. And Shake Dog Shake Night in the middle of the set. I mean, I love it because it's unexpected. You know, I mean, that's one of the things I love so much about these tours, these shows. 
I mean, you just don't know what you... I mean, my God, yesterday, you had... Um, um, let's start with yesterday. Open, 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 high pictures of you, and then this Twilight Garden. It's like what, you know? Or, 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 and then you have like the, the greatest, <laughs> you know? And then you have uh, it can never be the same with pornography. The following day. Just like heaven, exp uh, um, exploding board, uh, and so on. You know, yeah. they're good first set. Um, during the first night, when they played pornography, I, I could see 10, 15 people sitting next to me, just um, rise up and leave. Uh, and they didn't understand anything. A few minutes earlier, they were, you know, uh, clapping and, and sharing along. And as soon as pornography um, uh, was played, they didn't understand anything. And a lot of them went home. I guess we can't really fault, you know, we, we can't hold that elitist attitude. You know what I mean? If they don't know it, they don't know it. You know, there are different levels of fandom. And, you know... I guess, you know, who are we to judge, I suppose? Obviously, we're, we're, they just don't know what they're missing. You know what I mean? They're, 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 not, they're not experiencing the cure at a level that they should be. But hey, you know what I mean? Different strokes of different folks. All I can say is, these three nights at the Garden have been an absolute joy and a pleasure. And, I, and if they wanted to play 10 hours, they could play 10 hours. Shit, if they wanted to play Kyoto's... <laughs> if, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to... The if they want to... Oh, shit, fuck, piss, whatever. <laughs> I mean, when I was watching Kyoto's song tonight, if they wanted to do Kyoto's song for 40 minutes, I would have been happy. Just keep playing it. It's that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. I mean, the, the joy and the pleasure. And, and, and again, 2016. You know what I mean? That's the thing that I, they sound as good or better than they ever have before. Robert had to have had vocal training because he sounds so good. The band is great. The song selections are great. And, 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 I, and I love his, um, um, his final bows to the audience. You know, being, you know, I'm 45 now and I'm not in the greatest of health. You know, I'm kind of overweight and get, you know, whatever. But the point is, uh, like, like Captain Picard once said in a Star Trek movie, I realize there are fewer years ahead than there are behind. Because you're a Star Wars fan. <laughs> this is blasphemy, my friend. No, but right. go along. Star Wars go always ahead. gets go ahead. Go ahead. But anyway, I'm sure Robert feels that now at 57. So at the certain, once you reach that, you really appreciate things more. And I think that he appreciates the roar of the crowd now more than ever before. And I think that's evident by the the way he leaves everyone. Like he doesn't want to leave the stage. You know. And, and, you know, if it's ego that's driving it, I don't care. He deserves it. He deserves the roar of the crowd. He deserves the accolades. He feels very comfortable. He, I think he really enjoys it. And, and as well he should. So I hope that in 2026, you come, we're sitting here and you come over here and ask me questions. Yeah, I, I do have to say, since you've opened up the floodgates of... 57 or whatever age and health, can we just say the two words Simon Gallup? The Cure is Robert's band, but... He doesn't age. Simon, he doesn't like, age. running around playing his What am I going to see you again? See you in London, huh? <laughs> see you in Europe. I just really like seeing jo Simon jump around on stage and just get really into yeah, it. Like, incredible. Like, the, the rhythm section of The Cure has always been something that I feel like nerd cure fans can get into and it's like often overlooked I mean I really I feel like I, I see that like Simon yeah. like holds it down he's a stage general <laughs> it's true it's true we were talking the other night about about nostalgia yeah 
and the thing so I'm just old so the, the thing for me no there's tons of nostalgia no but the, but the thing for me is that most of the people here saw The Cure 89 to the 86 87 88 89 and interestingly that's the time when I I, I went off them a little bit because I I saw them in 80 79 80 81 80, 80 83 80, 84 that sort of time and Lowell Tollis was the drummer and and he as far as I was concerned he was a great drummer because <laughs> those songs were great and they were they were and, and the interesting thing for me is that these shows are real productions they're amazing productions the musicianship is amazing and going back to that time the musicianship was good but it wasn't amazing the, the, the shows weren't amazing in, in, in a production sense but they were I mean we talked about this the other night as a 17 year old they were just like there was there were these there's these shitty theatres in, in 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 the UK which didn't have very many lights they had a film called Carnage Visors which was a little bit grainy and and we were all wearing you know we were all there was rubbish in the streets and and we, we went in we went in there and there's this band that was just screaming from the heart and and now I go to a show in Madison Square Gardens where they've got every single bit of technology everything is completely rehearsed it's amazing an amazing show and the nostalgia for me is I find it a little bit overproduced because I, I go back to those days when Play for Today or Pornography or whatever, all those songs were... were, were you have a perspective. I, my, yeah, my, my perspective is a bit different, a bit different. But having said but that... <laughs> but having said that, this the shows here have been some of the best shows I've ever seen. And and I agree with you totally about the, the, the range of songs that they put. I mean, tonight, I think there was a song off every album apart from maybe 413 whatever but there was there was a song off every album I can't remember when uh, the variety of songs was this uh, this good really I think they rehearsed somewhere between 70 and 80 songs more than that more, more than that more maybe. than that yeah. so uh, we've seen a lot of songs uh, making their debut this tour you know like um, this Twilight Garden for example which sounds amazing and Exploding Boy uh, you know, been waiting for that one uh, for decades now. So hopefully, uh, since I, I live in uh, London and, and I'm um, going to see them quite a few times in, in Europe, uh, we'll get some, some even, even some more songs in Europe that they haven't played in US yet. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll do that. Fingers but crossed. It, fingers crossed. Uh, just La Messe, Just One Kiss. Lament of Faith, obviously. You know, Darren, like what you're talking about with that nostalgia that you're feeling for that time period, I also think that that is just a bigger, broader brushstroke of technology in general. Like, look at, like, I'm sitting here in a bar recording on something. There's 12 people looking at their phones. Like, that time period, because you were living, you know, you were a teenager in a time period that was stark and was known for you know, like the semi-birth of like punk rock and goth and new wave and blah, 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 because of the garbage on the streets, because of the unemployment, because of the disconnect. Now it's a different kind of disconnect. Yeah. Now the technology, like you said, like things can become so overproduced 
that it takes away some of this like raw yeah. freshness. But it's pornography, pornography. I remember going when I first heard pornography live back on the pornography tour that the tape of those backward voices that, yeah, that yeah. Are, was just it, it was loud, louder than the band actually and, and it was almost you had to put your hands over your ears if I remember and whereas here it was it was down in the mix it, did, it just felt like it was part of the light show um, and and the song's still there because of course we all know it really well so the song's still inside you but it wasn't it isn't the same it wasn't the same for me but there are songs that were just like Heaven for example I, I couldn't believe of all the songs that they play that song the American crowds sing sing along, sing along yeah, on that song more than any other song it's a bit like the play for today yeah, key, keyboard in Europe um my, the thing that I've taken away from that is just like heaven is, is and it's, and it's I love that, I love that song and I always will love that song. It's just it's an amazing amazing song that the Americans really have taken to heart. I, I don't know why. Is it in a film or something that people? No, I don't it's know. Endemic. I don't it's know. It's not even their biggest chart topper here. No, love song was the biggest chart topper, number two in '89. I don't think just like heaven even made top ten in, in America. Right? I mean, look. I don't know. I would, I would check. I, 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 would, I would guess it made. I'm a, da- I'm a dar- you know, oh. darky, pure fan yeah. with, like, I want to hear, like, three and forever. And a funeral party. <laughs> and all cats are grey. Those are the, those are the songs I want to hear. Let's go back to Rome 89. That's what I want to hear. All right, man. This is the Holy Hour podcast. This is Arusha from Push, a Cure Fan documentary. Over and out, team. Thank you. I love being a part of this. And a special thanks to you, Mr. Brian Greenspan of New York, along with your friends Darren from Blackpool and Andreas from Sweden. Such great insight. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for sharing your Cure Talks with us. Along with everybody that Arusha talked to, Mother Angel Blue, Brian, Christine, Dana, Mike, Marnie Briggs, and Laura Jean for kicking it off. Thanks so much, guys. And, uh, of course, we couldn't have done any of this without Arusha. So, huge thanks to her. Be sure to check out CureFanDocumentary.com to get the latest scoop on her upcoming film, Push. Go donate some money to make that happen a little quicker. So um, check out the the social media updates and donate some cash to CureFanDocumentary.com. It's a film she's been working on since the Blood Flowers Tour, the Dream Tour as it's called. And um, we're all dying to see it. So uh, make that a reality and uh, get on over there. Donate a few dollars or at least be uh, part of the threads and in, in, in the action to catch all the updates on that and thanks so much to Arusha we're going to leave you now too with a uh, quick review from a guy that we played music with here in Asheville um, cross paths over the years he's living up in DC now I believe but uh, Bob was kind enough to send us a review from third night of Madison Square Garden and um, I actually have a little cure testimonial that he recorded for us early on but i liked it so much i've been trying to save it for for the right time and um i think i'm still gonna be waiting i really want to use it in a in a in a cure appropriate way so we're just gonna use your review here bob but uh thanks so much and stay tuned for more bob as it's bound to pop up on the holy hour here and uh we'll leave you with a uh play-by-play of night three 
Hey guys, this is Bob. Uh, I'm just gonna do a little review for Gavin's show about um, this Cure tour that's going on currently. And uh, they did a little three night set, or three night um, sort of residency at Madison Square Garden. And I've actually never been to Madison Square Garden, nor have I ever seen The Cure before. So this is the first time I had the pleasure of seeing them, and when I saw they were playing in New York, I was working in D.C. and tried to rearrange my work around it, and luckily it worked out to where I could come up and enjoy an awesome night of music. Wow, what a show, man. Like, really long set list. I didn't expect, like, over 30 songs, uh, four encores. Pretty amazing. Um... Right as the show is starting, I hear the drum beat for about three, four minutes of Out of This World before they came out. And I was like, please let this be. And that song from Blood Flowers is like one of my absolute favorite songs. And I cannot believe they opened the show up with that. Because it's pretty, that album is not really, I don't know, it's definitely an overlooked album in their catalog. It's actually one of my favorites. So for them to open the show off with that, I was so glad that I picked this night because they played two other uh, tracks off of uh, Blood Flowers that night. They played Blood Flowers itself and uh, Last Day of Summer, which was fantastic. So that was really cool. Um, of course, they played you know the classics like Pictures of You and. Uh, man, a night like this, like that song really was not one of my top songs. I always liked it, but that song live is so killer, especially on this tour because the guitarist from uh, David or David Bowie's lead guitarist was playing with them. And man, instead of that saxophone solo, this guy just ripped a guitar solo that was great. I wish they had kind of more of him doing that with this band because after I saw the sheer power of what he could play. I was like, damn, let him do that more. <laughs> but uh, Night Like This was awesome. Um, and of course, you know, Just Like Heaven was definitely in there. And, you know, in between days, everyone went nuts for. Um, some ones I was really surprised about were Banana Fish Bones and Shake Dog Shake. You know, I didn't really listen to that album much. Um, that's, you know, had uh, uh, the Caterpillar on it. Um, but those songs were incredible live. And it, it was such an amazing sort of triumph to see a band play, you know, over 30 years of music and such an interesting mix of, of people in the crowd. Like, there's very young people that might have gotten into blood flowers or just like maybe even their parents got them into the cure which is hilarious to think about but I think that that is the case and then there are people older than me um, which I'm 37 and you know there's people like in their 50s there that knew every single word so it was awesome encore at the at the end of the show they played uh, like right in a row like hot 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 like, Why Can't I Be You, Close to Me, that's when everyone kind of went apeshit and 
the lights come up and you just see how many, I mean, there's like 18,000 people there. The encore, the last encore was incredible. But um, I just couldn't believe the tenacity of the band and how long they played. And I mean, there was, I, I hung on every single note. There was not one, one flaw, one mess up. Robert Smith's voice sounded incredible. The only thing that I was kind of, kind of bummed about was the cameras didn't, uh, you know, like when you're in a big show, they've got the big projected screens and you can like see the band and they kind of zoom in and show, you know, what's going on. The cameras just sat in one place the whole night and Robert Smith, uh, you couldn't see it all unless, you know, you were down there, but whatever, he probably didn't want everyone just to focus on his face and like actually listen to the music and I did and it was great and seeing him Madison Square Garden was was amazing um, I'm so glad I went up and and caught it it was worth every penny for what I, I went and did um, it made me even more of a fan so I hope everyone is uh, catching the the tour right now it's worth it they're playing different songs every night i'm also mad i didn't get to hear um 100 years i I've, they didn't play anything off pornography i thought they'd at least play one but since it was like a three-night run they already played you know a couple of those before but man it was an incredible show everyone go see it take care now Thanks again, Bob. Always a pleasure to hear your voice and um, stay tuned for more Holy Hour. That concludes our New York City Madison Square Garden episode. Thanks for sticking it out with us, guys. I know that was a lot to cover, but um, wow, sounded like a pretty magical three nights there. And uh, congratulations to everybody that was able to partake in that. I am very jealous. And um, that concludes the Holy Hour. We'll catch you next time. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Go on over there, rate, rank us, do what you will with us. But um, subscribe so uh, you'll get the new episodes as soon as they're ready. And um, go over to Facebook and find the Holy Hour podcast Facebook page where you can get a little extra tidbits on each episode as well as uh, partaking comments in the threads for each episode. And um, if that isn't enough social media to get you going, pop on over to Instagram. We got the Holy Hour podcast over there. And, um, and you can find us there. Get updates and pictures and all that fun stuff. And just quick and easy ways to keep track of what's going on here from episode to episode. We're winding down the 2016 tour for sure. Um, coming up next we have uh, Donald and I finally meet up with Arusha and uh the big finale of the tour in charlotte and then we wrap up with atlanta so two more episodes coming up that are tour related then then who knows from there it's back to to pondering and and uh and thinking about the good old days i guess so thanks for listening uh feel free to drop me a line gavinconnor at gmail.com and uh or any of the social media outlets that were just mentioned and please once again go check out arusha's website for push cure fan documentary that can be found at curefandocumentary.com and uh, get up to date on that project we'll catch you next time talk hard